Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Feral Audio. Twisting the wind. Are you ready? Well, it doesn't matter if you're ready or not, because regardless, the same thing will be happening here. Is that okay with you if we just do the normal kind of thing here at the top of the show where I just talk like this in a way that you've heard before because you've what was that? what was that? But know what you get when you get when you ask what you want when you do the thing that you had to do. I'm running out for the thing that's I want to do. This is never seen me. Ever had a bad sandwich in my life. In my life. I was wanting to be somebody And then I met the happy corner A man sewer I want to get for me, mister sure is present. Isn't that present, everybody? Sure is a present sound we got here. Welcome to Twisting the Wind with John Lee Pembercham. Uh, that's me. I'm just, uh, jam, 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 hold on a second. Hold on one more second. Just, this is all, it's, uh, it's like a fucking wig mom in this zone. I'm just trying to flip back into the extra spot we had before they decided to build this uh, thing here where they're doing a ceremony. Don't you love being refreshed? 
Don't you love being refreshed? I love being refreshed. Don't you love being refreshed? That was uh, just a low tone there for you to reset your speakers. If you're listening to them on speakers, does anybody listen to a podcast on speakers? That would be something else, huh? Hey, I got my speakers out. Um, hey, come over, man. We're going to fire up the podcast and just sit around listening to it, reacting. There's got to be people who do that, right? Do you do that? Do you listen to a podcast on speakers or have you listened to a podcast on speakers? I mean, really, that's the way you should always be listening to music. It's on speakers because you got to have that air interaction. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. The podcast. What a word that is, huh? Didn't that win the worst word of the year award some year when they had an award for the worst word of the year? You know what it was? It was blog. Blog won worst war. Wog blonde. Blunder blonde won the first curse of the cheer. John, John had the John. There was a uh, John. John <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh fuck. Oh. Uh, John got the first blast of beer because uh, Ron Ron tested out for um, McGear. There was never no, no, there was a, David had the snatch from the steer. The steer. No, but a steer. The man. There was a, an extra. There was a micro. There's a micro dose of host toast to rebot that uh, the most the most coast that you couldn't get without the snows. The snows. The the. It's there's a sort of I guess a face a face based uh, case waste. <laughs> he's a face based. Uh, he's a, he's well. He, well. Here's what we. Here's what he is. He's a face based case waster, but he's often been known to reevaluate cases based on case western. If that's the best. Here, he, we're doing a best western style evaluation of this case, and when it comes down to the end, we'll be in a red roof and in again. That's as good as we can as good as we can blend because you're gonna get a mix da, that's just not gonna find you da, friend da, da. I said welcome I told you yes I said W-E-L come to I 
Okay, everybody, time to get down. Up into it. You're listening to Twisting the Wind on the Feral Audio Network. My name is Johnny Pemberton. If you want to email me, it's twistingthewind at gmail.com. Be sure, if you're enjoying yourself, to rate and review the podcast on the iTunes. Rate and review the podcast modulation station. Go ahead and drop yourself into that. Load it up. Pull the drop-down menu, enter the click zone, refire the backstroke key modulation, make sure caps lock is off unless it's on, then you turn it back on again to turn it off, and then input your input station query, and make sure you've got a muff modulation to re-uptake inhibit that extra load before you find a face in the pixels, okay? Have you got a QRC code that's also art that you want to scan because it looks like rose? <laughs> do a gallery show with your friends in your small town. It's okay, everybody. We're all together. QRC codes for life, baby. Those definitely work, and they're always really cool. I love when I see a bunch of little pixels in a square, and I'm like, oh, maybe if I can scan that with my phone with a picture of camera on there, I'll get more info later on, like where the party is, or why Amanda broke up with jams. Oh, now I know. Now I know. Now, will I save 25% off on this couch because of the QRC code I downloaded picture style with when I saw it. I saw it on the truck when I was driving. It says, quick, take a picture. You got a special camera mod. Oh, don't click the camera. Click the thing that does the cases the camera, but it's got a special QRC code reader and it reads those square pixels and it tells you how much that costs at Walmart where you shop. But seriously, though, uh, all that stuff is true and more, and it's really good to be here back in the Delta Dream, where uh, touchdown cities are likely possible, easy, and fun. That's the name of the game here on Twisting the Wind. <laughs> I feel like I say that name too much. It's like, it's, I, why do I even say it? Twisting the Wind. Uh, I'm sick of that. Well, this is um going to be, uh, it's, only, it's only 19 more. <laughs> There's only 19 more of these left, y'all. Uh, I'm, I, I know I maybe have been, uh, faltered or not exactly, um, a person to be taking seriously in terms of commitment because I, these are, these episodes are, are, are bi-weekly at best of these days. I said bi-weekly or bi, it's bi-monthly actually. That's one of those things where, you know, someone's always going to correct you. Oh, actually, um, biannual means three times a year. I know it's confusing, but so is, uh, the admission schedule to, I don't know. You get it. I should. That's a dumb fart. I wasn't a good fart. It should have been louder and more committed. But either way, uh, in about who knows how long it'll take to do 19 more of these. Uh, there's going to be a new twisting the wind, um, but it's not called twisting the wind. It'll be called something else, and it'll be a whole different thing. But you'll still have a hundred of these these fucking digital uh, album magazines to listen to at your leisure or your leisure, at your pleasure, at your pleaser, wherever you are. Take a dip teaser, touch down on the calcium dip dick calcium dip dick tank and get crusted you can do that at any time so that's available to you uh right now even right now i mean who cares what i just said does it matter what i just said no because it doesn't because you're still um still there so yeah let me know uh <laughs> Uh, so let me know. <laughs> seriously though, y'all. Seriously, though, I just love arranging things on a corkboard. That would be great. I'd love to just check myself into like a mental hospital and they just like, here, Johnny, um, this is a, a huge corkboard. It's a deep corkboard, you know, so you don't have to push it 
through half cork and then it hits a, a piece of wood. It's a super deep cork, so it's going to ease in all the way through. Here's uh, 20,000 clear push, push pins and here's 30,000 multicolored ones that haven't been separated yet, so you can separate them. And here's a bunch of different colored pieces of paper, little pieces of metal, different scraps. We want you to create a giant collage that that feels good the way it's shaped, the way the squares are spaced, just sort of like a real space out boy. Do that, and then um, uh, just just let us know when you feel better, and we'll relinquish control of your body back to you and your mind. And you can exit this outpatient facility, but we're going to pretend like you can't leave, and so you feel like you're getting your money's worth. Okay, thanks. Would that be fun? That's what I want. I want to just check out, you know, I want to check in someplace where I can check out. That's what I really liked about being on that. Uh, I was on a, the reason there was some uh, infrequency in the podcast and what's coming up on this episode of the podcast with comedian Andrew Ryan. Oh, hilarious man. God, he's funny. I mean, I think I've, oh, I'm going to say it right now. I think I, it's like, <laughs> the story he tells on this podcast, it was one of the funniest thing, one of the funniest stories I've ever heard, definitely on the podcast for sure. So keep keep uh, keep yourself locking and tuned in and keep listening. Uh, but I was on this tour with him in the Middle East, and I don't know. I've been wanting to talk about it, but it's also one of those things I just don't know where to begin, and I feel like my thoughts are all jumbled, and I don't want to also seem too angry about certain things because I'm not angry. I just sort of have sort of passionate feelings about how shitty Dubai is, but <laughs> that's not, that's more of like a globalistic critique than anything more of like a critique of the, uh, whatever. Wow. Who, who's listening? Uh, why am I, what did, what did I just say? Oh, it's like a fart under fart in the ocean, man. What was that? What way, man? What was that? What was that sound? Um, Oh my! Yeah, man. I think it was like somebody just farted in the ocean a thousand miles away. Yeah, I don't really care either. But uh, you know, a bubble's a bubble, bro. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. When you got to get a green, and you wanna be your own baby. Did you ever wanna be your own baby? Find yourself a clone, raise it as a baby, but it's you. That's what this episode's all about. It's all about uh, stories from the recent past when people were raising themselves as baby clones. Uh, <laughs> baby corns. You got some baby corns out there? Who's got Chinese baby corns? Is that what they're called? What are they else called? Go ahead, hit the email. I'm doing a lot of this now these days. I take a, I, I, I talk a bunch and then I go, I'm going to pause to take a breath and I'm not embarrassed to do it because... Breathing is weird, man. Breathing is fucking weird, bro. Breathing is fucked up, dog. What is breathing? Are you breathing backwards? You notice that? I'm breathing backwards. A great way um, to fuck with yourself or your friends when you are hyper stoned is <laughs> to postulate that one of them or all of them or you yourself or someone involved in the mass stoning may be breathing backwards. And I've seen a person uh, start to choke because you start being too aware of your breathing and you're like, oh, it's pretty funny, man. It's pretty funny, man. You know, man, the man I'm talking to right now. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. But back to this. Yeah, I haven't um, talked about this whole trip at all yet just because haven't figured it out, but this, this episode is great because that's where I recorded this episode and I did really enjoy my time over there because it was something where 
I don't. It's a, when you're when you're on a 100% flipped time schedule. So I live in Los Angeles, and at the one for one day before the time changed, it was literally the opposite time. So if it's 1 a.m. in Los Angeles, it is one in the afternoon in Dubai. So it's just this thing where you're so disconnected with your world. It's kind of like being tucked away in an insane asylum because no one's bugging you. No one's asking anything of you at all. You have, we had like, we had access to a a delicious, oh God, it was good. A buffet. (laughs) I never thought I'd be saying those words in my life, delicious buffet, but it was uh, impeccable. Plus the service, the service of people there are, they probably all have fucking doctorates and bachelor's degrees and stuff and are much smarter than me yet there. Because they're guest workers, they are in a position of servitude and could not be nicer or more accommodating to little old me. But that's the thing is that it felt like I was in the, I was having almost like a rest. I had this thing where I kept waking up super early. That's obviously because of the jet lag and stuff. And it was this weird thing where I just sort of felt out of time in a way. And it was really cool. And I keep, and now I'm back and I'm back on this schedule now. I'm back on my personal thing. And it's just, I miss, I got to keep, I keep reminding myself what that felt like to be out of time, to be like just, just unencumbered by anything really not that i wasn't unencumbered not that we're ever encumbered by anything at all right it's all just it's all just stuff in your mind you decide oh i have to do this oh i gotta do that oh god better do this before i do that otherwise i won't do this and that won't happen because that didn't get done and oh no oh man oh man oh gotta get up then or don't sleep late or gonna oh no i slept in here and late and now just all that shit maybe you don't think that way Maybe you, the infinitive, don't think that way, but I get caught up in, in my personal, dis, personal baffling bullshit of not baffling bullshit. That's not. It's way too many alliterations. Whoa! So that's. I don't know if that's a message or if it's just like me, like saying what I want to say to say it because I really feel that. But there's something about getting the chance to extract yourself from the the rat race, the humdrum, the busybody, just all the fucking racket. And then you're like, when you get back into the racket, you're like, hey, man, uh, racket ain't so bad. And also, who gives a fuck? Don't sweat it. Chill. Chill, bro. Just chill. Just chill. Just chill. Just chill. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. You're the sun now. What's that? The sun now. We're going. Oh, we are. What's do the it. podcast called? It's called Twisting the Wind. Twisting the Wind. That's kind of an Irish sound, isn't it? Twisting the Wind. I'm sick of you doing my voice for the last week well, and a half. Believe me, I'm fucking sick of having it in my head because it's like, that's what happens. Like, I hear accents and I just want to like imitate it. Oh, yeah. I, my girlfriend calls me a parrot. A parrot? Yeah, because I just like say stuff over and over again. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, you're not alone. In so being, your girlfriend, your girlfriend's equally annoyed as much as I am. Probably more so. <laughs> <laughs> probably significantly more so. Yeah. Andrew Ryan. Yes. That was my introduction for you. Yeah. Andrew Ryan, comedian, Irishman, uh, performer, dancer, 
intellectual consort bodybuilder <laughs> bodybuilder yeah you, you got some great abs currently is that what you're working on i'm working out on my abs at the moment getting ready for the summer how long have you been working out for about three years really? <laughs> <laughs> i think i've got a line that looks a bit interesting in, across right. my stomach that's pretty that good i might uh, i might develop into an extra line and then <laughs> in about another four years i could have a six-pack but you know you know dreams you just got to believe in your dreams right yeah, my diet's appalling. As yeah, a comic, the diet is really bad, though. It's bad everywhere, huh? Because that's like a thing people in America make jokes about is how bad your diet is if you're a comedian. Because you, yeah. you work a lot, so you're always traveling. Yeah, and it's the service stations at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, And, so it's and the thing is, because you're so out of sync with your dinner. Right. Because sometimes I find it hard to eat before I go on. Right. And if the show's on at 8, like you normally eat maybe 6 or 7, I'm normally traveling to the gig at 6 or 7. Right, so you can't eat So them. unless you bring a packed lunch, and I'm 32, <laughs> I ain't bringing a packed lunch to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, yeah. you get there and it's like, oh, that Mars bar looks quite tasty. That'll right. get me through an hour. Right. And then you finish the gig and all the adrenaline from the gig and you realize, I've not eaten since 2 o'clock. You're hungry as shit. And then you go into a service station and there's crisps, coke, <laughs> these bacon sandwiches that are like... 85% fresh air, 15% bacon. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, this is a good diet, man. <laughs> it's like, you're not. You're actually killing yourself. Yeah, it's terrible. It's just so easy to do that, though. It's really That's the hardest thing if you want to be healthy is to... But I think right. this year, this year I've been a lot more healthier. Because really? last year I didn't drink for a whole year. Mm -hmm. And this year... You're back. I'm back drinking, but I'm also a bit more conscious of my diet. So um, right. I've been cooking a lot more meals at home. I've what been do you cook? I got about six meals that okay. I can do. That's, I can, that's pretty good, though. I can do six really, and I really good in terms of like putting in spices and sauces, <laughs> and uh, I'm really I can do really good spag ball. I know that sounds quite spaghetti what bolognese. Bolognese, spag, spag ball. I call spag it. ball. Spag ball. We abbreviate <laughs> it, right? Uh, but I do that really well. Fajitas. I'm really Fajitas. good at cutting. You know, roasted veg with pork with nice sort of sauces. What and kind stuff. of? How do you make the sauce? Is it like a gravy? Oh no! I bite it in a packet and I put it in a oh, okay. pot. I'm not that. I'm not a chef. Hmm. <laughs> But no, I've been a lot more conscious of it. But I like eating out. Eating out is a kind of oh. a hobby. I think when you get a bit older, you right. kind of look for comfort more than you look for excitement. <laughs> and eating out? Yeah, I like eating out. I like, you know, I like, I like eating. I, when I go to a gig, if I'm in a town that's like two hours away and the gig is at eight, lately, instead of eating crap, I'm, this year I've been a bit more sore. I'll get there for 6.30 mm -hmm. and I'll find a nice place and have a, a nice Caesar salad or a chicken salad. or Caesar salad. Chicken Caesar salad, man, is slowly becoming one of my favorite. Yeah. I was in a restaurant once with somebody and they asked for the starter chicken Caesar salad and then for their main course, they asked for the main course chicken Caesar <laughs> salad because they, they were like, I'm just going to have a starter chicken Caesar salad and a main course. I was just like going... That's ridiculous. You don't order the starter small yeah. version of something and then the main course version of that same food. I mean, I did that. I do that with. Uh, I used to be obsessed with hummus and falafel. Hummus, I would do that. not hummus. 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 I would go. I would order an appetizer of hummus and I'd have falafel. And when one time I ordered that, the girl was like, "You know, that's the same thing, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> don't. Yes, I do know. Yeah. I just want one the cold with the dip, and then I want the fried. The balls. Yeah. You want the full experience. Yeah, I want the full the circle, the, the circuit of uh, of chickpea flavors, you know, the garbanzo bean. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Would you say chickpea or garbanzo bean? I'd say neither. What do you say? You don't know <laughs> chickpea. about the... Chickpea. Chickpea. I'll call it chickpea, chickpea yeah. Chickpea, okay. Chickpea. What, you, what else do you call it? Garbanzo bean. Garbanzo. Is that like a Mexican version of it? Probably. It sounds Mexican. Garbanzo. 
Okay. Is that that's Italian? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I just have like one general accent that covers the whole world. The whole, the whole. And if if someone speaks Spanish, they all sound the same, I suppose. But you you're pretty accent. good at doing accents on stage. I'm aren't pretty you? good at it. Yeah, I'm okay at it. I like to do it. It's just fun to do. I feel yeah. like more than anything, it's just fun to do because it's fun to be like a character. You know, what I mean? to be someone other than yourself. Because I feel like I'm incredibly boring. Like the way just today when I went down to the the souk, a listener souk is an Arabic word for. Shopping, what do you call it? outdoor shopping? Shops. Shopping mall, Shop. an Arabic, an Arabic shop, low, low status shopping. Yeah, mall. it's like cheap crap that you can haggle down to nothing. You can uh, get, a, you can actually get. If you haggle them so much, they'll actually pay you to take it away. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's, we're we're in, we're in Bahrain right now, and we were in before that. We were in Qatar, and before that, we were in Dubai. Wow, we've we've been we've been together for what nearly eight nine days. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and we, uh, we've not had one argument yet. No. <laughs> we've not had any issues. <laughs> well, so I was at the souk, and when I went and bought something, oh, yeah, I did, I, this is how I talk. It's like, how, how much for that right there? Because <laughs> I feel like it's easier for me to be an American here and pretend I'm a, a, a Southerner than to be myself. You know what I mean? Because like, I feel like I can be more gregarious and sort of actually be friendly with people. Yeah. Because I feel like as me, I'm sort of just like, hi, hello. But they don't know that you're American. Yeah, they do. They just know that you're just you you're just so? a, you're just a westerner, right? But I mean, they know I'm not. You know, they can probably tell I'm not British, though. You think or no? They don't know. Well, we haven't spoke to them direct about it, yeah, yet, have we? We haven't questioned the Bahrainian people on I the street. Ask them. The thing is, is it's not so much for them as it is for me. I like to. I feel more comfortable being a southerner from America than I do being just my generic self. So that's what you do on stage, and you become other people. Sometimes, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And that, you think that you think that's the way you're going to keep doing it? Um, I'll do always do like a portion of that. I suppose it's fun yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah, because I'm just me on stage, right? But you have a cool voice. Yeah. I, oh, I'm 25 percent funnier just for being Irish. <laughs> I, I think mean, so. This is just I, I walk, like it. I did a gig once in uh, where was I? I was in Scotland, like mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere, and I walked on, and I think they gave me a round of applause just <laughs> for being Irish. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yes, finally. And I walked out. I was like, hello, how's it going? They're like, oh my God, he's Irish. But they're Scottish. Yeah, it's- but they would. They, they, I don't think they've ever had an Irish person in that village in the middle of nowhere doing That's a comedy so, gig. What, that blows my mind because Scot- Scotland is not very big at all. Scotland's like the size of fucking Maryland or something. Yeah. And, and Ireland's about the size of what, Massachusetts it's maybe? To- it's a toilet. Tiny. Toilet. It's a service <laughs> station in America. But so you have America's... Well, significantly, like almost a hundred times the size, probably. If you were to fly from the west of America to the east coast, how many hours? Four. If you were to fly from the west coast to the east coast of Ireland, you wouldn't be allowed on a plane because it's so short. Right. That they would say, get on the train now, you'll be there in half an hour, don't blink. <laughs> you, 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 otherwise, you'll miss yeah. your stuff. It's yeah, just so, so like, much older, though. So yeah, you, like, if you fly in four hours, you can drive from the south of Ireland to the north of Ireland in probably two and a half, three. Really? Three hours. Oh, it's so small. With the new it's motorway. Tiny. There's a new motorway. We yeah. built this motorway. The best thing we got out of the economy in Ireland before we went bust was right. a new motorway. That's basically a journey from Cork to Dublin was about like four hours. Right. It's now two hours, 25 minutes. Why was it so, take so long before? Because there's no Because we had to go through way? every little village on the way. Oh, there's no express And then way. the European Union gave us loads of money and then we 
built the road and then we went bust and went you're not getting your road back well, you can't take a road back <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they came and tried to repossess the road <laughs> you know just what I mean just break it up into parts yeah. and sell it off so, to China send it off to China yeah. yeah, maybe Qatar because they need a bit more concrete don't yeah, they this Qatar. is full of concrete over there oh Qatar is such a fucking it's such a it's not a shithole it's like the opposite it's either it's either it's so posh gold. but yet so empty yeah it's really hard to describe Gross. isn't it like you walk in you walk like all the grass is like it's like it's like every week it gets a haircut. It's so pristine. <laughs> it's like a football pitch. You know the yeah. design on it. I walked by by I walked down the street and I was looking at these guys. They just cut the grass. It was like a like a putting green. Yeah, and you've got all these guy workers just yeah. there. Go. What do you do for a living? I make sure the grass is less than three inches long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just it's ridiculous. I saw a guy with like one of those uh, red. You know those Afghani guys with the red beards. Afghani, right? There's like uh, there's this very like rural Afghani tradition. I don't know what the name of the people are, but they dye their beards like this red, a very bright red. Or they right. think it's bleached actually, but it's their they look they look fucking crazy. They look like like funhouse people, but they're these shepherds from some you know far nether regions of Afghanistan. Uh, usually, only see them when they're like there's footage of soldiers compensating someone for a drone strike but this guy was a guest worker in qatar i'm like what the fuck is this guy doing here he looks so they look so strange because a lot of times they have light these guys have light eyes yeah i'm being like incredibly racist here i'm basically just like describing this guy like they them this guy has they have this look <laughs> but it's so fascinating the way that you see those guys out there, those the guest workers in their jumpsuits and stuff. There is something about expats here that I don't like. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it, it's such an amalgamation of people. It's too many different types of people, and they're all yeah. Like I, this is my this is your first time to the Middle East. First time, to, yeah. I was in Israel when I was a, about sixteen, but that okay. was with my dad. So it was very sheltered. It was you know they have like it's all tours and stuff. So it's with the it's not it wasn't like this oh yeah but yeah. this is my it's my third time over okay. here and the first time i came over i was in a hotel in dubai and i saw a couple of group of irish people probably a little bit older than me maybe a bit younger or the same age you know we, we let's go for that level of spectrum okay <laughs> and uh, they were really rude to oh, the waiter really? and i just was watching them and i was thinking you would not get away with that in Ireland. And you, you know you would not get away with that in Ireland. Yeah. And they feel like because they've they've left Ireland and they've come over here. Now, for the record, I would say that the majority of Irish people are very nice over here. You know what I mean? Right. So but there is an element of badness that you do see and you do sometimes just pick up on the yeah. negativity. But they were just really rude. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna say that to them because they the way they were speaking to him and I saw one of them click their fingers. Ooh. And I was like, if you do that in Ireland, like you would be in so much trouble. But because they're not in Ireland anymore, yeah. they feel like they have the sense of power when actually, you know you know, if anything, if that's the way you behave, please don't ever come back because we right. don't want your type of people. But then again, I'm ushering them on other people, you know. But yeah. it's just I just find that some of them have this sense of entitlement sometimes. Entitlement, that's exactly. And it's not, and it's not, it's not right. You're just working in another country, yeah. And you know, there's foreign people that live in my country, and they work there, and they have as much a right to be there as we do because we right. are one of the most emigrated countries in the world. I don't even live in Ireland. You know you what I mean? I live in London. I live in London so, yeah. like, I'm an immigrant. You know what I mean? So, like, I just don't like seeing people treated badly if they're yeah. from another country. It's pretty ridiculous how, like, that's the case here. Is these all these guest workers are so so polite, and these people are. They're rude to them, which is 
it's just I don't know what the, what, people are rude everywhere in the world it yeah. doesn't matter where you are from but I think maybe when you're abroad you notice it more because it's like when you're a bar people don't go to bars to behave people don't go to Bahrain to behave yeah come here to fucking to do their nastiness yeah Dubai's to, little dirty yeah. cousin <laughs> yeah. or a Saudi's cousin right or a, Saudi. a, Bahrain is the, the only nightclub in Saudi Arabia <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's one giant nightclub it's a Saudi nightclub yeah so what have you taught at the gigs I thought they were, I don't know, they are pretty good. I think they were, some of them were a little underwhelming, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just a little bit disappointing, but it's weird to be performing to people, such a diverse group of people, because you rarely have that to be the case. You rarely have where there's that many different people. So in my head, I'm just, it's almost like I psych myself out. Like, there's no way, well, maybe it's a good thing, because there's a, I don't know what the saying is, but you shouldn't. You can't. You can't get all of the people all the time. Yeah, I think like I've so, no. Yeah, I've noticed, and I'm quite like you. I've noticed that um, not everything is going to land. Yeah, like it would normally land. That's fine. You know, but, and like that night in Doha when we had Greek, Portuguese, Lebanese, um, Arabic, yeah, um, Americans, Irish, Scottish, Welsh, um, Egyptian, all in the audience. Yeah. You're thinking. Really, guys? I'm telling jokes about like my fridge freezer and you know, like and <laughs> yeah. uh, and my mum's paintings in her hallway. And you're thinking this out, and you're, you're before you go on stage, you're like going, are they are they gonna are they gonna get this joke about this guy I met from Denmark once? <laughs> you walk on, and you go, most of them, you they got do. anything to do? They're clever people, yeah. You know, like, but then again, there's a few local references that I go, I'm not changing anything. Yeah, they don't get it, but you got to kind of. Gotta imagine that if they've paid to come to comedy, I think they're quite clever. I think most people, when they do go to a show, they're open. That's like a thing that people are always op- they're open. They're open yeah. for. Oh, I come here. I've come here to be open to it, not to be. You know, one in a hundred is like I came here to be a dick. <laughs> yeah, I came here to be a dick to these people just because I'm cruel and hate life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is fun. It is. I'm kind of looking forward to going home, though. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. Get the hell out of this place. Yeah, it's gonna get out of here. And spit out the window on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up in Cork. In Cork, in Ireland. Cork. I am like a genuine Irishman, so which is very Cork? rare these days in in America, is it? I think it's almost impossible. I have a lot of. I have a, I've, I've a very uh, Irish American. One of my best friends is Irish American. Yeah, I've got an um, Irish Irish background. Okay, that's what I have. So, how far back can you? How do you trace your roots there? Is it like? I think my dad traced his roots back to like the nineteenth century. No, nineteenth century. No, that's, not no, like eighteen fifty or something. That's not that far back though. What is it? Is that the eighteenth? That's that's the eighteenth century. Nineteenth century. Yeah, sorry, nineteenth yeah. century. And apparently, Argentina is coming up a lot. What do you that mean? There was potentially some of my great 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 grandparents Argentinian? emigrated to Argentina. Oh, they went to Argentina. Yeah. Okay. So there's apparently uh, a group of Ryans walking around Buenos Aires, really? going, you know, hello, I am John Lyon. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know how to speak. But as far how far back can you trace your ancestry in Cork, though? Or uh, well, I'm not originally. My my parents, my dad moved. My parents moved to Cork. We were from the Midlands, a place called Westmead. Westmead, Mullingar, and Dundalk, which is near the border to Northern Ireland. Okay. So my parents met, and then they moved to Cork for work. So I was born actually just outside Dublin. Okay. And but from the age of two or three. I was four, maybe. I was brought up in Cork. So I would say that I was Cork. You know, I'm a Cork. I'm from Cork. You're a Corker? I'm a Cork. Cork. Cork by Cork. I'm from Cork. <laughs> I love Cork. Cork loves me. I like being in Cork. What kind of place is that? Cork. Yeah. Cork is, um, 
It's a nice place. West Cork is lovely. It's right. kind of countryside, lovely. A lot of Americans. Really? In Cork, yeah. It's a touristy place. Very touristy in the summer, yeah. Okay. Uh, the city's good. Um, it's like any city in Ireland, really. We've got a university, a couple of universities. Yeah. We've got really good road system. Okay. Um, <laughs> houses are well spaced Come between to Cork, each we other. have a great road system. Yeah. You want traffic lights that work in order? <laughs> you get it, baby. Cool. No, like it's fine. It's a nice city. You know, yeah. like a lot of, uh, you know, um, it's small. You know, like I wouldn't say it's a massive city, but um, it's just like any city really. Yeah. You know, you go out, you've got everything that you need, you know? Yeah. It's fine. It's Cork. I grew up there, you know. and um, So what'd you, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have two brothers and one sister. Oh, so not that big of a family. Same as me. Yeah, I have but two I have sisters like, and one brother. I've got like over a hundred cousins. Okay. First and second. So your so. family has, you have a very tiny Irish family? Very small. Yeah, but none of them live in Cork. They Only don't, about they two or moved. three live, live in Cork. They left? So I don't really see them. I probably, I think if I'm friends with them on Facebook, I probably see what right. they're up to the other time. But I don't really, I don't like, I don't ring them. I you go, don't hey, ring them up. Yeah, you want to come around and watch the football? Because yeah, I live in England, I've got family in England that I okay. kind of see a bit more, you know. So, but so your family, but how far back can you trace your family in Ireland? Like, how does that work in terms of? I think that, my I think when my dad retired, he started to look into it. Yeah, I, I think he wanted to see was there any sort of scandal. Yeah, any scandal sort of, like, history. or imported. Ev- um, I think we. As, I'm not too sure, but I think it, it, we orig- I This is we originate maybe from Tipperary. But this is all Ireland, though. Is yeah, what I'm it's saying. all in Ireland. Yeah. See, that's what that's what gets me is that you're saying these different cities as though they matter. When in America, all we care about is like, oh, like, oh, I'm a quarter Italian, and I like my mom is from uh, her. Her mom grew up in um, Sweden, so I'm like kind of Swedish. But it's like you're not anything. You're just like you most just landed people, here, and you are now this person in this area. Well, most people in America are a mix of all types of different European backgrounds. Or like, you know, a few of them, like a really boring mix. Like I'm like a little English, a little German, a little Welsh, a little French, just like. How could you all... have so many ingredients? That's the thing, <laughs> yeah. but it's super common. It's super yeah. common. Like, like last night at the gig, remember yeah. I said to the guy, where are you from? And he yeah. was like, I'm half Lebanese, half American. Well, that Everyone guy. Everyone was half and half But that guy to say that is full of shit. If you're half Lebanese and half American, you're American. You're not half Lebanese, man. Yeah. You're just an Le- American who happens to be part Lebanese. Right. Yeah, because that shit gets me. I don't know. It's they're, so they're weird. They're clinging on to the Lebanese, aren't they? Right, because it's because you want to be interesting. Because that's what that's the problem with. I mean, that's the big thing with white America that I talk about that I can't. I have all these jokes that I cannot do here because people just don't understand because it's about there's like this culture, white culture in America is white. It's not like it's not European. It's not anything else. It's just white. It's not Caucasian. That's a fucking misnomer. People say Caucasian. You're not Caucasian unless your family came from the Caucasus. That's what that fucking word yeah. means. Like I'm not. I'm literally not Caucasian. Like so, if I, there's ever a thing that says check check Caucasian, I'm like so black, African American, Caucasian, Pacific Islander, Asian, Latino. I'm like I have no boxes to check here. I'm not Caucasian. I'm just a white guy. <laughs> you know, there's a difference. Yeah. I wish I was Caucasian. I'd be like, oh, I'm cool. I have I have family in the Caucasus. So I'm like, or like I'm a Balkan or something. You know, I'm just some fucking white guy. But that's like the white the white culture in America is this thing where you have like you have nothing. You have like no history. So you're essentially this person who has no no story. There's no story about you. You know, there's no um, there's no you have no traditions or anything. There's no there's so. I think that that's a big problem in America. Why there's so much 
unrest and crime and weird. They have weird. no backbone. Is There's it? no backbone. You have no history. You have nothing to moral just, guidelines. Or something no, like that. no moral guidelines, unless you're an immigrant, in which case you have a ton of it, or in which case if you come from like a poorer community, which is probably the case you are an immigrant or you have some sort of uh, like the like the black community in America they have a lot of moral guidelines because there's sort of this it means something to be black in America it means something far different than it does to be white but if you're white in America it means almost nothing it has like no meaning because there's like white people don't help each other out you you're know? just a regular white guy yeah. yeah you're just a white guy and it's such such a general term you have no background so it's this thing where anytime anyone in America it's like oh I'm I'm half uh, or I'm a quarter quarter German, or I'm a, I'm a quarter Irish man. I can't wait for St Patrick's Day. Why? <laughs> because it's like something to be about. Because you want to. They be, want some sort of history, don't they? You want to feel like you have something, and that's the thing that uh, that's I think that's it's people get jealous of that of people who have. I mean, I'm jealous of that for sure. I'm jealous of people who have like oh wow, you really you're just that. You have like this history and stuff. So you say this stuff. You're from Ireland. And you're like, oh my, I, I don't know where we came from. Maybe from this city over here, but it's all, it's all really close together. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all like, but like, so you can like trace back your family's roots to being in Ireland for about probably hundreds of years or more, you know? Probably, yeah. If I looked into it a bit yeah. more, I think my dad has been doing some stuff in right. it. And he, um, he he keeps saying Argentina. He keeps saying there's something about Argentina. <laughs> he's like a, he's like a swami. I don't know if he just he's wants a the... free holiday to Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just saying it to my mom to go like, right. come on, we're going to Argentina. You know what I mean? Some but I've never been to America. You haven't, no. I've never traveled west of Ireland. Okay. So I've ne- I've always gone east. So I've yeah. never um, gone behind in time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never, <laughs> right. So like my plan this year is I would love to go to New York. I'd love to perform in New York. And if sure. there is any comedy bookers from New York looking for hey. a 100% Irish guy, I'm willing to turn up and give you seven of the best minutes of your... Yeah. Of, no, but like I would like to go, but... I don't know what to expect when I go over there, you know. I'm expecting like to walk into New York and there's just models everywhere and I don't but know. then I, I then it's just guy I, I you know, I just don't know what to expect with well, it. I mean, cuz you live in London and London is as much a cosmo- more cosmopolitan yeah. a city than any place in the world, I'd suppose. I think London's a lot like New York cuz I've been to both. Except New York is just uh London's better than New York. You think so? Yeah, New York's really dirty. New York's fucking filthy dirty. Is it? <laughs> the people in New York are actually quite nice. That's yeah. the thing. There's always the idea that New Yorkers are assholes. I think it's the same with Londoners as well. I think people think London... Because I've lived in London. Yeah. And I used to live in Manchester. And um, people in London are friendly, man. Because they I are. think it's, it is quite a lonely city. It's lonely. I think anytime you have a big city where lots of people are from other, other places, places. yeah, they're... Well, that, and I don't know, it, I think it goes both ways. I think a lot of times people who, like Los Angeles, for example, some of the nicest people I've met are people who grew up in L.A. They're very down-to-earth, down interesting, cool, yeah. not at all. The biggest assholes I've met in L.A. are people who aren't from there. They moved there and all of a sudden get like... I'm in L.A. Yeah, like, yeah. stop being an asshole. Just because you moved here from, what, fucking shit town in Iowa doesn't mean you can be an asshole about it now. Like, what, What's the worst place in America? That's such an open interpretation. But I'm talking like worst place with nothing to do, no atmosphere, no culture, just dead in the water. Well, I don't know. I'd say that there's probably the entire state of Nebraska is like that, but uh, Nebraska, <laughs> Nebraska. Maybe, Nebraska is pretty. Di- well, it's not that there's no culture. There's just not many people. Okay. There's almost nothing there. Like Nebraska is almost all farming. Uh, South Dakota and North Dakota. North Dakota is pretty, pretty much uh, nothing there. There's almost nothing in North Dakota. It has like a very small population. North Dakota, South Dakota, 
Idaho is pretty fucking uh, barren. Montana is pretty barren. But those a lot of those places that are empty and have don't have a lot of culture, they also have some of the most beautiful landscapes you'll ever see in the world. It's like you know. But you know what I you know what I, I I find really strange that if you live in an area that's right. not particularly very good or vibrant for a young person, right. but the young person stays there, especially nowadays with the current media, like you can. You can you can go on YouTube and see places all over the world. Right online, you can see things are in much more close reach through exactly, through yeah. the internet, and people still settle for that. They still settle for the middle of nowhere. Do you see what I mean? I think they do. I think it's changed somewhat, though. I think a lot of people now who live they're exposed to things at a younger age that they would be otherwise yeah. because of the internet, and then they seek those things out. They they leave. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, we're kind of on that weird precipice right now where. There's people who grew up with the internet are starting to become adults, and so I think that's going to change things. Because once yeah. those people, once millennials start having kids, because you and I are just older. Like when's when did you get a cell phone? For cell phone, yeah, or mobile phone as I call mobile it. Mobile phone, yeah. Uh, probably when I was about seven, sixteen, seventeen. Sixteen, okay. But you guys have more of that stuff. You have a better infrastructure in the in Europe. So yeah. What but about I, internet? I, How about home internet and the computer? I think my parents got a first in computer when I was maybe seventeen or eighteen. Okay. But I didn't like really start going online maybe till my early twenties. So you're probably you're not a millennial, I think. No, like only recently have I. St- because of being a comedian and being yeah. on your phone and answering emails on the go, trying to get work, I'm on my phone a lot more. But, right. um, you know, like I often think about my niece is seven. She'll never write a handwritten letter. No. Like she'll never have, like, and I went right, you know, like she'll never write a handwritten letter. She'll never know what it's like to just sit and wait. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she'll, yeah. like when I go into rooms now, I'm one of these people that go, Wi-Fi, where's the code for the Wi-Fi? Right. Whereas, you know, five years ago, I'd be like, nah, I'll just wait till I go home to check my email. Right. Now it's like, I need to check it like within the next five minutes or uh-huh. shit's going to get real here. So like, I think nowadays people are a lot more like impatient. You yeah, know what I mean? They, it, 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 you know, we want instant news and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I kind of worry for the older people because like I was in a town in Ireland in a, in Cork, North Cork called uh, Charleville. I was meeting a guy for lunch, friend of mine for lunch. Charleville? Charleville, yeah. <laughs> I was meeting a guy for lunch and we went to this like, Sunday roast place, you know, bar, Sunday dinner. And it was really busy. Loads of cars in the in the car parks. We went in. We said, can we have a table for two? Sat down. And just as the starter came, I looked around. And there was no young people in the restaurant. Right. And this was a small village. And these were all aging population. I thought, there's no young people. The staff were all older. And I thought, they're all getting out. All the young people are, are leaving. They're leaving. And I think that maybe in like 25 years... All these small towns, they're going to have no young people. Because you don't want to be there. Because they're all in London. They're all in Dublin. They're all in Cork. They've all gone to the bigger city because the 21, 22-year-olds, they've all been on the internet since they were 10 or 11. And they now know that they can travel quicker. And, you know, everything's done online. And you you can book a flight in five minutes. You don't have to go to a travel agent anymore. Right. So the world is so much more accessible to them. And they're sitting in this small town and they're going, I'm 21, I'm leaving. <laughs> and their parents who are 45, 50, all have got these mortgages and jobs and pensions. They can't leave. Yeah, but the kids in. then go to London. They they meet people. They become friends with people there. They start relationships there. They become settled there. They realize then that 
this is where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they're in debt. They can't leave. They get someone pregnant. They get an addiction. They go home every three months and cry because of the mistakes they've made. Then they get pregnant and go home because they need a support structure so mammy can look after the baby <laughs> because it needs them to save money. Then they're going through this long divorce and then they just become that next generation of angriness, you know? It's oh. like, I'm just worried that like in 25 years time, there's going to be like 15,000 Ireland. They're going to be light on people. They're going to be light on people. There's going to be no people there, you know? That could happen. I mean, you got the, the birth rate changes or anything like that. That's, that's the thing. They talk, about, they talk about that, like dying countries or dying cities, because once the what happens is the birth rate starts to slow and you start to have just less people. There's less people, and so there's less innovation, and you end up having like less population. There's as much as population is like a bad thing, it's also a good thing because you have – if it's like fuel economy yeah. yeah people are buying and selling yeah so yeah. it's strange though I kind of be very interested to see where Ireland is in terms of young people because I, I've been in England for 12 years you go stay there yeah you I do, think I, like I don't know I really don't know I think I'm I think I'm too far gone to go back to Ireland right like when I go back to Ireland now I really enjoy it mm-hmm. but I enjoy it for like four or five days yeah I feel the same way that's a, that's a very typical thing and then after like five days I'm like okay there's nothing there's nothing I can do here anymore. Like I don't have a doctor, I don't have a vote, I don't have a bank account in Ireland. Yeah. I'm nothing. Your I parents I've got drive a, you crazy too? No, they're good when I go back. They my mom lets me drive her car and she <laughs> makes me dinner. And then after like five, like I was home recently at Christmas for two weeks mm-hmm. and uh, when I was home, I think it was the longest time I'd been at home for in for the longest period, like two weeks in total in twelve years. I'm okay. normally only home for five or six days. Right. And after a week my dad was getting freaked out that I was still in the house because the novelty of me being at home had totally worn off. Yeah. So he was looking at me and he was like, Are you still here? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm here. And he goes, well, How long more are you home for? And I was like, Another week. Another week. Right. How much are flights for tomorrow? Right. <laughs> I'm like, you're not you're trying to get rid of me. Like, you know, I think they're used to me not being there. They're used to yeah. seeing me like four or five times a year. Yeah. But I think I'm too far gone. I think I'm too settled. I think the only thing that kind of worries me is the support structure. Mm. You know, like I'm at that age now where it's kind of like, you know, I kind of want to, you know, maybe put down some roots outside London. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, London's a privatized city, really. You know, like you yeah. can't buy property there. It's it's, it's pointless. And It's like San Francisco in America. Yeah. Rosie was explaining to me how... All of central London is owned by fucking rich foreigners. Yeah, like all so these Russian billionaires that got yeah. like five apartment complexes. They've yeah. never seen the complex. Yeah. They bought it like when they were drunk. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, yeah, 12 billion. Yeah. And then they buy it when they're drunk and then they charge you extortionate rent and people will pay it because it's London and it's <sighs> the big city and, you know, they've got a degree and London is a land of opportunity and they're just being screwed. And it's kind of like, you know, like I rent in London and I'm, I'm being actively looking for like this is this is how it is right for the amount i earn reasonably a me a reasonable middle class lifestyle i would say through comedy and all i can afford as a single man in london is a mobile home near the sea <laughs> <laughs> i have to go one hour east I can, I can only afford a caravan yeah. only afford a caravan in london right. and it's like but I've like I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. I pay my tax. I don't commit crime. I vote. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I 
treat people with respect. I contribute to the economy and to, to right. the place. Yet they're saying to me, if you want to stay here, you need to be in a mobile home <laughs> near the sea. <laughs> and one night we hope you get drunk and jump over. Right. That's what, that's what they're basically saying is that yeah. you want the only way you like, you can pay 900 pound a month in rent, right. but they, but then you can't get a mortgage for 700 because you don't have the deposit. You're going, but I can afford 900. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then like, what? It's just, it's just a privatized city. So like I've been looking outside of London, like one hour outside mm. and then, but you got to go to these places that are just like, Oh God, I'm now going to be in that community. Oh, I know you, you mean, know what like, I mean. Like, I'm now, the suburbs. Yeah, I'm going to be in the suburbs where it's like <laughs> on a Sunday, I'm going to walk around the little village and get my, get my, get my shampoo and get my little takeaway and go home and watch my football. And then on the Monday, it's like, okay, I got to start the commute. <laughs> you oh, know what I mean? God, yeah. But because you're being priced out, it's, it, yeah. it's, so what do you do? So I'm deciding I either, I either buy and suck it up. Or I hold off and I wait until a drone hits <laughs> or something like that. And then like, or I wait until like every person wakes up together and just leaves and it's yeah. just me left, you know? Or maybe there'll be a revolution and shit will get turned over. Or, there'll well, never be a revolution. In I think what will happen is the economy will, will tank. No, do you know what happen. it is? It's the same in Ireland. People, people live, people are just scared. They're just scared to rev, to rev, to have a revolution. They are because they're not hungry yet. You know, you know what it is? Because they have a nice, they have, even though a lot of people in the UK and Ireland are living on the breadline, they're getting by. Yeah, on the breadline. And they're still having a reasonable lifestyle. So they're still, you know, they're working hard and then they still get a chance to go out for dinner and drinks at the weekend. And then they get the odd one holiday a year, put it on the credit card. We'll deal with that 600 pound later, you know, and what they're doing is they're just getting by and, the, it's the fear of change that stops it. Like, if yeah, you look sta- at the Middle East, you look status at our, quo. Status, status, right? So, like, you look at Egypt. Now, I'm not a political comedian. I'm far from it. I don't know too much about politics. But I often know, it's like I, I have this bit on stages yeah. where I like people who have nothing. I like people who have yeah. had to struggle. So, like, if you take all the issues over the last years in the Middle East, like Egypt, all these people that are overturning their governments, they have very little. They have nothing. And why is it that in Ireland and Britain, we have a massive crisis, you know, politicians, right. issues, banking, tax evasion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It can go on for ages. But yet everyone's just sitting there going, oh, well, that's just the way it is. Let's go to work and have a great day. You're thinking because people are worried about losing the flat, the television, they're losing their laptops, losing their yeah. security, their pensions. They, people in other countries who have nothing are like, well, I have nothing, so I might as well fight for right. something. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's why I don't think it will ever happen. That's a political statement from me there. Well, you're, you're totally right, though. <laughs> it's know? the truth. It's the, people who have nothing will always be the ones that will protest. You know? Yeah, they protest or do invent reggae music people are just scared they're just scared all the time that's mm-hmm. what it is they're just scared there's water there's issues at the moment in Ireland with water charges the government want to charge people for water right and so they're trying to implement water system and charging so there's been like protests in Ireland if that was in France that would have been you know the whole of France would have shut down for no. three days how dare you charge yeah. me for this water <laughs> I, I think they wanted to ch- to close a library once in France <laughs> and I think like six million people were on the streets going you're close the library even though I don't read I have a Kindle I am not happy with this <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. so like in Ireland like there's some people are protesting right. like there's like protests and I think like the minister for the environment or something like that was held up for an hour in her car outside a school 
and people were going, down with you, bad woman, huh? Making us pay 20 pound a month or 20 euro a month. Oh, she's off. Oh, we're going to really give it to her now. Right. And then like, she just drives off. Yeah. And like, you really want to send the message out? Set the car on fire. And then when the water comes over to put the water off of the car, they go, we got to pay for that water now, government minister. You got to pay for your own water to put you out. That's what you need to do. But I like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I mean, if there was a revolution, of course, I'd take part. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But if I didn't have a gig that night, obviously. Right, well, that could be mean? your gig. You're coming over here. Yeah, well, so. You have to be the consort. That's what, that's what you call a host, right? A consort? Comp- compare. compare. MC or compare. A compare. Yeah. Is it two words? Well, you can, some people call it the compare. Some people call it the MC. But is it com No, C-O-M-P-A-R-E. One word. So like compare. Yeah, but it's pronounced compare so weird i wonder what that means i don't get it i mean i know what it oh, means c-o-m-p-e-r c-o i'm confused is it c-o-m-p-e-r-e i'm compare I, I don't know how to spell my own job you're not good at, <laughs> you're not good at reading right right my brother has the same thing he's dyslexic yeah right or and that's the thing where he it's like a, it's a hard thing to do like a lot i think a lot of comedians are dyslexic actually yeah it's like a thing where you're good you have trouble writing and Reading and writing, so you excel at speaking. Oh, I can read and write. Well, I know you fine, can read and, read and write, but but I have um, when you're but my spelling is so terrible. bad. Yeah, but when I send the message to someone like, um, like please don't ever contact me again, that kind of message, right? Like, there'll always be a spelling mistake in it, and I go. That message, you know, didn't have that sort of impact that I needed to, because <laughs> I, spelled I, wrong. I spelled one word wrong. <laughs> I spelled one word wrong. And, I, and then I always have to like send the right spelling with a little star at the top yeah. going, look, I understand grammar here. I just, slippy fingers, slippy fingers. Yeah, I always yeah. blame it on slippy fingers, you know. Well, you, when you were a kid, like what was it like growing up? Uh, what kind of school did you go to when you were young? I went to a school in Cork called the Christian Brothers, which was a very... Um, it was. It would be classed as maybe a public school where you have to pay to go. Oh, that's a private school. Yeah, private school. Okay. But in England, it's called public school. I know that makes no sense. But to it me wasn't whatsoever. exactly that public. Like it wasn't that elitist. I think you had to get in because your dad needed to know somebody who once drove somebody to the airport in a taxi <laughs> backwards or something. It's all like it's kind of like very like. You had to do an entrance exam to get in, and I failed the entrance exam. But I think my dad knew someone okay. or something or my brothers have gone to the same school so it's like a tradition that you all go to the same school so I went to this school and it's like a rugby school so they produce a lot of rugby players so it's a, and a, so it's a rugby school and um, quite good it's very good at making accountants mm-hmm. and people in marketing <laughs> and people it's very good at making accountants people in marketing rugby players and I wasn't academic I wasn't a rugby player I did try and fit in but it didn't work um, I just basically got through it. And, right. Um, I was doing like a little bit of drama and I was always like piping up in class and mm-hmm. um, trying to be the funny guy because I had absolutely no interest in learning about World War One. <laughs> I had no interest in it. I didn't right. care how many fish live in the sea. <laughs> I don't I don't really need to know about isosceles triangles. All right. I want to know is how can I disrupt this class? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think like one of the so best you got things. You a lot of trouble then? I didn't. Yeah, but it wasn't like serious trouble. Like What was the story you are going to say? I think one of the best. One of the best things we ever did, we had this teacher called Mrs. Murphy who was teaching us business and her nickname was uh, Ma Murph <laughs> and she had a moustache. Right? <laughs> she had a moustache and uh I think deep down we all thought she had a serious drink problem. <laughs> and so I think somehow we maybe caused a lot of that. Mm, yeah. But uh, she used to come in before break and write up like the accounts on the board. So we would be doing like accounting and it would be like 
Income, 3,000. Expenditure, 4,000. Profit and loss equals minus 1,000. The company's now in So she would do all these figures and then she would leave the classroom for five minutes and we would all change the figures. So so it would be income, 3,000. Expenditure, 4,000. We'd be like minus 12,000. <laughs> but she would come back in and not knowing that we have changed the figures. Right. So she would be like, okay, so it's uh, income, 3,000. Expenditure, 4,000. That's a loss of 1,000. And we were like... Mace, you said 12,000. And he's like, no, it's 1,000. Well, why is 12,000 on the board? And she would then think she was going mental, right? And we used to like draw, and she would spend 15 minutes just trying to go question her own ability to teach. And we would be sitting there going, this is an absolute disgrace. We are paying so much money to be here. And the teachers can't even add. You can't even add. And then the she, we, one day we made her cry. Like, oh, and like shit, and look, we were like 14 though. Yeah. And it's like, when you're in school, it's a gang mentality. You know, and all boys as well. So there's like, there's like 30 testosterone young puberty, pubescent boys right. all looking at a woman just going we are going to make your life hell <laughs> I think one of the best other ones we did was um, and one of the best ones we did was um, this was my favourite one there was a teacher in the school who hated me but he never taught me mm-hmm. he, and why I would he hate you? because I would always disrupt his classes and stuff but I thought you said he never taught you he never taught me but he knew of me Oh. And uh, his name was Seamus Bruton. And I think he's Seamus Bruton. Bruton, like the most Irish. <laughs> but he, 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 my only memory of him is that he was just an awful man. Right. And uh, there was some really good teachers, though. Right. I did have some really good teachers, don't get me wrong. But he was, I think he's vice principal now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he's, you know, who wants to be second? <laughs> like, you know, I am second in command. Like, who kind wants of to shit be? Place. In a, in a, anyway, but we were playing football in the yard one day and the bell, and uh, we were kicking the football. And on the school, there was like a flat roof. Mm-hmm. It was like a new extension built on. There's a flat roof. And we were kicking the ball around and the ball went up onto the roof. So obviously the ball is gone, you mm-hmm. know, like it's quite a high roof. But the side of the building, there's like a, a big grass verge. You can actually climb the grass verge and jump on the roof. We thought that might be a bit too dangerous. So we wanted to get the football back. So we walked into the classroom and in the classroom was a flat roof. So there was a skylight window. Right. So we built a load of tables on top of oh each my other. God. And like, it was like a pyramid. And I climbed up, opened the skylight window, basically about the size of this roof. Maybe yeah. about eight, maybe, no, maybe 25 feet, right? Okay, it's pretty so tall. We put a lot of tables up, maybe less, but I climbed up, opened the window, jumped onto the roof, and up on the roof there was four footballs because there was loads of other footballs. Yeah, from previous times. So I'm thinking, right, let's sell the footballs for 50p, <laughs> let's make two pound profit, and let's go off and buy cigarettes, right? That's oh the bit. Oh my of God. So I get the footballs, I kick the footballs back down onto the yard. I go back in, but I realise the guys have taken away all the tables. Oh, right? shit. So I'm now stuck on top of a roof, when the bell goes... So the bell goes for the end of break and I'm now on, t- I'm looking like I'm doing a dirty protest or something, right? So the bell goes and I'm not even in that class. Yeah. So next thing, all the students are coming in and I'm on top of the roof looking in the, and it's like a hot day. So the window open is kind of fine, right? Right. And I don't know what to do, but the teacher teaching that class was Seamus Bruton. Mm-hmm. He was doing geography, teaching us about, teaching them about bloody limestone as <laughs> if that's something we need every day in our life, right? So anyway, I don't know what to do. So I'm standing on the top of the roof. I've missed my class. I'm five minutes up to going, I'm stuck. Like, there's nothing I can do. There was no mobile phone at this point. Yeah. So I can't ring anyone. The teacher's going to do roll call in my class. I think maybe I had French or something. I'm like, what? I'm stuck. The lads have played a massive prank on me. <laughs> so I decide just to knock on the window. 
as if it's the most normal thing anyone could ever do, right? So the teacher's like up on the board going, and when waves hit rocks, you can get wet, right? I don't know whatever he's doing, right? And I just like knock on the window and I thought, you know what the most important thing to do here is? Make this as normal <laughs> as if this is like the most normal thing in the world, that there is somebody on top of the roof. Right. So I'm only like 15 or 16 yeah. at this point, maybe 16. So I just knock on the roof and I went, excuse me, sir, is there any any chance you can get me a ladder? <laughs> and he just looks up at me and he's like, what are you doing? And I went, oh, I just I just came up for a bit of a walk. <laughs> and everyone's in the class going, what the hell is Andrew Ryan doing up on the roof, right? <laughs> so they have to go off. They get the principal. Oh they get the God. school the school uh, maintenance guy because there's an insurance risk. Yeah, you're in deep right? shit, there's, man. I'm in deep shit. Like, oh there's a God. massive insurance risk, oh right? Next thing, there's like a sea of teachers <laughs> just come in just looking at me and I could see the principal going. He, he was flexing his fingers, you know, as to say like, oh, you got it now, boy. You've just interrupted me watching YouTube. Like, you know what I mean? So what happens is that the, the, the maintenance guy comes back in and I said to him, I said, I think the best way is to build a couple of tables together. <laughs> and what I'll do is I'll climb down in the table. So they said, well, we have to put the tables together. So they built another pyramid, right? And then all the teachers had to hold on oh to the pyramid, God. right? So I'm wearing a shirt and tie at this stage, right? <laughs> so everyone's in the class going, this is amazing. Yeah. Just bear in mind, I've disrupted 15 minutes of a geography class, the right? The whole thing looking at me going, I'm like, I'm up on the school. I only came up for a football, right? <laughs> So I start to come in, I start to come in, right? And I climb down and I climb down. And as I climb down, I decided to run for the door. Oh my God. I decided just to run, right? I come down and everyone gives me a round of applause. I'm like the hero. Like I'm like the, I'm like that activist, you know, that's yeah. that. All I was doing was trying to get me football, right? right. So I jump down, jump down onto the, onto the table and I bolt for a door just to run. I said, I might as well get the fuck out of here, right? And as I run, Seamus Bruton leans across and he grabs me by the tie and he nearly chokes me. You know, oh and he God. grabs me back, and I'm like, he's like, stay where you are. And I said, no, sir, thanks very much for that. I need to go back to class anyway. Enjoy your day. Jesus See you later. Christ. And I walked out, and they just went like, you office now. And I went in and sat down and go, right, we're the biggest threat was they're going to ring your parents. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, we're going to ring your parents, and I said something like, yeah, ring him. My dad doesn't mind, you know, he doesn't mind me being on the roof. That's where <laughs> I sleep most of the time anyway, you know. <laughs> but I just jumped out. I came in, and I, I, got, I think I got suspended for a day. A day. They banned me for a day, and um. We another like there's no massive ending to that story. It's just like that's it's exactly what happened. Story. Right? But the other best <laughs> one I have for you was that uh, we got brooms, broomsticks that right. were used to sweeping, you know. And it, there was like double doors as you walked down the car. It's like fire doors. So when the alarm goes off, the doors close. Right. There's obviously handles in the back, right? But there was yeah. two double doors so between, uh, between them. Right. So what we do is, but between the two double doors, there's no other exit. So what happened was we waited for one of our teachers one day and we picked up two brooms. And when he went in one of the doors, we stuck the, the broom in mm -hmm. and then we locked them in. We basically segregated them. In like a little box. Yeah, we basically like put them in solitary, basically. And he's walking down. We, actually, we lock them and we do a runner. And uh, there's one classroom actually that he could go in, but there was no, there's no exit. Mm -hmm. So he's basically stuck in a room, like a hotel room. Right. And we bolt him in. And he's like, okay, guys, come on. Funny, 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 funny. You know, let me out now. And we're like, no. <laughs> I think we left Can him in there for you? like. Are there like little windows in the door? Uh, you no, know, he. We, we were just we were communicating through, through a door. wall. Okay. So we were like we were like putting hands over our mouths, like speaking in English accents and oh, stuff like okay. that. Like we were like we want 
We want like 40 pound. We want 40 pound all for you for your freedom. We will ring your wife and children. We want 40 pound or you will die today. We were like doing all that stuff. We were like putting on these crap accents. What's 40 pound? Or like 40 pounds, you know, like oh, 40 pounds. Oh, you're trying pounds. to do an English accent? Yeah, like we were putting on these weird accents. Okay. And then uh, he, um, we wouldn't let him out. Right. We were like, we're not letting you out and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, kicking the door and all that. We eventually let him out, but we, we let him out. We kicked it out, but then we all ran. Right. And uh, then there was like 20 of us put up, like we all had to admit which one did it. And we oh, all God. were like, we're not, we're not ratting. So there's nothing they can do. Once there's more of you, they there's nothing they can yeah, do. Yeah, there's know? safety in numbers. Yeah. But we, I was, school was good though. School was good. Man. It was good fun. I, one time when I was, the, when I was in London here, um, we had a, flat like in the west end of london near the, near the british museum because yeah. the college i went to i had like this not nice real estate holding there for some reason and there was a double you know it was west london by the british museum so there's all these double-decker buses going on there are tons of yeah. tourists my friends flat it was like six guys they um uh i had my flat my room was up uh, up the stairs a bunch but they had this really nice flat like six guys in there and the window was was right on the street there, right on yeah. Great Russell Street, where all this double-decker traffic is. And it's the second level. So when the double-decker buses come by, you're right at the, this big picture window is right by these double-decker buses. So you can see buses. the top of the double-decker bus. Yeah, yeah, so you can see all the people in there. So we would do all these things. We'd like wave to people and make <laughs> do like little weird shows and stuff. <laughs> and at one point, I think it was the buses stopped coming by. And we were, we were mooning people, but not so much we as much as I was <laughs> mooning people because I was visiting them. And I had like, curtains like this. He had like, curtains uh, across the door. And I would, or, or would stick my butt out, like just like a little peep show. Like I'd pull the curtains back and have just my butt sticking out to, to moon the um, double-decker buses. But evidently, they were, at one point when I did this, it was before, it was when a bus had, had passed already. There was this uh, Arab security guard at the bank across the street, and he, and I was like doing some jokes to him or something. That we're not. He was not laughing, but I, I ended up mooning him, right? Mooning this Arab security guard, and uh, so what happened was is somehow someone lodged a complaint, right, to the, to wow. the school because they saw this, and um, the security guard did because he was friends with the, our security guard on our side of the street, who who. I don't know. Somehow, I don't remember exactly what happened, but basically they put the complaint in. And since it, this was not my flat, this was my friend's flat. So all these guys got a note on their pillow or on their, on their pillow, but like in their flat saying, you guys need to report to the office because there's been some lewd behavior reported. So they all go in there and they're all like, you know, six guys, like none of us did this because they're, they're right. None of them did it. And they're like, well, who did it? And they're like, well, we don't know. And, like, what do you mean? I don't know. It's like, well, someone did it. And so they made me like, look, Johnny, you have to admit it because otherwise they're going to take us down. I'm like, okay, I'll admit it. I'll fucking go in there <laughs> and do that. But um, how old were you at this point? I was like 19, 20. Right. No, I was 21. 21. 21. I think okay. I just turned 20. Did I just turn 20? Yeah, I probably just turned 21 at this point. Um, in the summer in London. And so, but in the, so I go on there, this lady, I told her it happened. It wasn't a big deal, but because I was like, you know, we were just, I think I'm mixing up the story a bit because I think before I went in to talk to her, what had happened was, this was before this guy, this Arab gentleman, this uh, security guard had lodged a complaint. Before that, yeah. I you had to, to go between the buildings, you had to go outside and downstairs. And one time I went outside downstairs to cross to the computer lab and they were building and the security guard at our building was outside talking with that other security guard and I just didn't, I didn't, I was kind of not, not acknowledging him and he fucking grabs me. He goes, hey! 
I know you. I see you. I break your fucking legs. You show your ass to me? You show your fucking ass to me? I fucking kill you, motherfucker. I break your fucking leg. I was like, oh my fucking God. This guy's gonna, gonna kill me. And like the other, this is, the security guard for our building was like, okay, okay. I, I said you could fucking fuck with this kid, but don't say you're gonna kill him. You can't say you're gonna Jesus. fucking kill an American national overseas like that. You can't threaten to m- murder somebody like that. So I'm fucking absolutely freaked out. I'm like, oh my God, he's gonna fucking kill me, this guy. And, um, and I told the guys, like, look, I'm super scared. Like, what? I was like, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. But, you know, they fucking knew it was me. Yeah. They totally knew it. I had, like, it was a white guy with long blonde hair. I had a fucking ponytail at the time. Like, a oh crazy God, person. typical American. Oh, God. I was the worst. California boy from school. The worst. No, this is from, I wasn't even in California at this point. This is Florida. So, uh, yeah, when I go in to tell that woman uh, to admit to admit that I did that, she was like, oh, okay. But I was like, but you have to know I did that. But he threatened to break my legs. He threatened to kill me because of this. So can we have some extra security here or something so I don't get killed by this, you know, this weird Palestinian guy across the street? He's going to fucking make an example of me, like kill me because I'm fucking from I'm this. I mean, I did this thing. It's terrible. I mooned this guy. But evidently, he took such offense to it. And I just didn't, I didn't realize at the time that that's like a cultural thing where... Like well, that's a that's yeah. a great disrespect if you're an Arab man. It's like in a, England, that's just Saturday night. Yeah, it's not a big <laughs> deal. But man, he was so fucking pissed. I was so scared, and there was a. Th- but I was I was pissed at him for saying for threatening me like that. So I was, and I would come back drunk a lot of times to to my um flat, and my I had like a little. It was the top floor, and um, what I would do, I'd see him out there, and I'd flick I flick coins out the window. And I, he couldn't have had the lights all the way off my room. I'd be peeking through the curtains. I'd be flicking coins off there. It wouldn't hit him or anything. It wouldn't come close to him. But he knew he was being fucked with. And one time he'd be like, I heard him call up and stupid fucking American bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and that's the thing is she also asked me, she, when I went into that disciplinary hearing, she was like, so he, they also mentioned someone was, um, was throwing coins at him. And like, I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that was my fucking me, man. But you know what? Terrible. Next time someone comes up to you and says, right. I'm going to fucking kill you, just go to them. Do it. Yeah. Well, that was like, you know, to them, do it. Kill me. I was 20 years old. I had no idea. You we know? all do. No like, idea. I think when I was Scared 20, shitless. we all do silly stuff like that, don't you? Oh, that was very, totally super silly. And it was definitely, what I did was, it was a silly thing. I wasn't trying to fuck with him or be mean to him at all, but he just took it in such such offense. But your 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 arse was aimed at the bus. Yeah, the, but I think there was a little bit of me that was like, I'm gonna also see aim how far at, I can push this. Yeah, but I, I didn't like pull my pants down and like look at him and see my ass. I was doing this little peekaboo show. It was yeah. like this stupid little there's a little butt peeking out from the little white butt peeking out between those curtains. <laughs> it wasn't like a you know grave grave disrespect to him, but. Either way, that's that was scary, and I thought I was gonna cause an international incident. Well, in I London. think if you do it here in Bahrain, yeah, I think you won't Oof. be going home on a plane. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Who Imagine knows? If you did it here. Yeah, I know. What would happen? You think? I mean, last night when you were running around Bahrain naked, that was a bit too much. That was Johnny, a bit too much. So we've uh, got a show tonight. We got a show tonight. Yeah. What time are we do dinner at? I don't know. Pretty soon. We should probably sew it up here. We should we sew yeah. it up? So, um, what what can people um. Should have dinner at like six. We're beginning picked up at half seven again, aren't we? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's half seven again tonight. Actually. So, so what? Um, let's let's close it up here. Let's close it up. So, Johnny, it's the first Ryan. time we've met. Andrew Ryan, where can people find uh, acquire your materials and such? You can go onto my website, which right. is www dot 
andrewryancomedy.com. And what's, what are they going to find there? You're going to find some videos okay. of me doing some shows. You can find my Do you have an list. album? No, I try and hold my material back a lot, to be honest. You should, you should record an album. Like a one-hour album? That's what you do in America, isn't it? Yeah. No. Don't you don't do, do that. that? No, I Why don't not? do that. I'm trying to hold as much stuff back. What do you mean hold as much stuff like back? Like build up and build and build. Okay. And then like in a couple of years, release three or four okay. like a year quality. That sounds then, good. Like, so you have a bigger impact, I think. I think that you're probably right. That's good to have the long game. Have uh, a long game. Because I can't do anything else. I mean, if this all else fails, I'll probably become a geography teacher in my old school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, go to my website, andrewryancomedy.com. And go to Are London you, and see you. See go you. to London, yeah. See you. Or follow me on Twitter at andrewryan underscore. Um, or just put Andrew Ryan Comedian into YouTube, into, into Google. and To Google. Into Google. Put it into Google there now. You'll find a lot of things there. There's not much. I'm kind of not anti the internet, but I'm a little bit sort of like, I don't like overdoing it. Yeah. Because I, I think, you know, I just find, I suppose it comes back to maybe being born in the early 80s. Yeah. It's a bit like, I've not, I've, I've not needed the internet for most of my life. Right. So I haven't really been using the internet properly only probably in the last six or seven years. Yeah. So like I'm kind of used, I'm kind of, even though I'm getting better at it, um, I kind of like, it's just another hassle. It's not for everybody. Yeah, it's not for everybody. And it's okay. It, I don't mind doing it, like, but it takes up so much time for absolutely nothing. It's kind yeah. of nothing. It is kind of a time sucker if you are, don't, aren't doing something spe- specific. Well, I spend a lot of time YouTubing like Russian road rage. Oh, that stuff's great. Yeah, like prison fights in Russia <laughs> and uh, like uh, like like uh, like Italian men caught cheating oh, and all this shit. kind of stuff like <laughs> or uh, or like uh, punks getting owned. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you type in uh, on YouTube best knockouts like street okay. fights, just one one knockouts, just guys at like punks like in America just like or or robbers getting caught. So people go into like rob stores. And then the guy behind the counter is like a marine, <laughs> and he's like just takes them down. And like you can watch that all day. It's like these guys got in trying to rob things, and these punks just killing them. And you're just like, this is funny stuff. It's like great. CCTV. But yeah, so catch me if you want. If you're interested in what I do, but it's uh, nice to be on the podcast. And thanks for asking. Thanks me. for being here and twisting the wind, Andrew Ryan. Good day. Good day. Good night. Bye. Bye. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.